Everybody knows the scores and the stats, but what are the games really telling us? Welcome to the Ball and All podcast, where we dissect the topics from the Premier League games and debate issues in and around the wider world of football. Yes, yes, hello and welcome to episode 22 of the Ball and All Football Podcast, Game Week 18 Review. Join us on Twitter at BNA Podcast. Join the conversation with hashtag BNA Podcast or take a stab at the Fantasy Football League code 686-834-151968. You're here with me, Flows. BNF, Ben No Filter. Manas, a.k.a. M.K. And as the Christmas season kicks into gear, let's take a look at what was an interesting weekend of football. How did you guys feel about it? It was amazing. Obviously, as a United fan, <laughs> you're going you're, you're gonna to be happy to see what's happening and, you know, anxious to see what actually transpires. We'll get into that one. We'll get into that one. Yeah, I finally felt like I didn't waste 90 minutes of my life. But, yeah, <laughs> we'll get into that. Alright, so let's go with the blue side of Manchester first And uh, City hosted Palace at the, Eddie, at the Etihad Sorry And good old boy wangled a win uh, Palace ran out 3-2 winners With two worldlies Goal of the season contenders probably um, This is a huge shock result Two worldlies? Sure. Townsend and De Bruyne that was fluky. Oh, it's still a world. <laughs> it's still gonna get counted as a world. Oh, no. It's still gonna get counted as a world. No, the cross, man. Aye, bro. The cross was See if it don't come in the match of the day, goal of the month. But the, as, it, as it stands, I agree with you on Townsend. That's the goal to beat this season. Because there's a lot of so you. I know you're gonna say you're gonna say Watford. Like. Watford has got bad. Okay, but then we get get into yeah, that. That's a sweet How many teams have actually done that? Look at the Man United goal. There's a lot of team goals going around, so no, no, but this been, goal by Townsend, some the Leicester fans. goal against Chelsea. There's a lot of team goals going. That was just that was top perfect. corner. That was that that literally. That's the goal to be. If you wanted to teach somebody how to volley a ball, that, that is, is what it. you would show them. That was it. Um, now that goal, my thoughts were that I think this game has shown City's weakness. Um, that goal from Townsend, he didn't get closed down. The guy that would have closed him down in that area. Fernandinho uh, Fernand- City without Fernandinho He's not fit again yet after his slight injury And it was only just today that I noticed They don't have any backup defensive midfield In their squad Like He's literally the only defensive player that they have Outside of actual defenders Of course they put Stones in For the Leicester game in the Carabao Cup And they've put him in again today But it was ineffective Is that their weakness? I don't think it's the only weakness because um, as like the last few games since the Watford one, when they were two one up, and then Watford had a little revival. Mm-hmm. Since then, they have been kind of found out that like, defensively they're not the best. And Fernandinho was playing in that game and a few games afterwards. Oh yeah, of course, he of course. Playing, and they were still looking vulnerable. So, like, come to now with with uh, yeah Palace coming now, Fernandinho's not there. It looks like yeah, they just seem that they've without Fernandinho there to protect, they've completely abandoned defending. They just don't know. So obviously he's the glue that helps them better. But with, even with him there, they're not the most solid team. No, they're not the most solid team. We know that they're, they're not really one. They don't really care about clean sheets is the way that it seems. And to be fair, you know, it's not just about scoring the goals. You've got to keep them out at the other end, which Palace also did manage to do. 
Um, I but spoke, a, yeah. No, I was just going to say, same thing obviously happened midweek in the, um, the Carabao Cup. Yeah. With Leicester, Stones in the middle again. It's definitely a weak point to them because without this defensive mid, having De Bruyne come back, Aguero coming back, they still couldn't get any goals and they were still vulnerable at the back. To come over to the Etihad and do that shows there's, there's some big gaps. Then if I'm going to call out Pepe, right? Stones, I know he's a ball-playing defender, so you can assume that he can play in midfield. Mm. Right. That, for me, I think is a bit stupid. Delph, play him in midfield. That's where he originally yeah. played. Yeah, play, yeah, play, yeah. play Delph there. Mm. Then you're on the bench, you've got Zinchenko, who's been around for a while. Play him out there. Yeah, you can play yeah. like play him in where Delph was playing at left back. You can do that and think so. Like that's just that for me. Pep causing trouble. Why are you not? Why are you playing someone that like? Yeah, Stones is not the most accomplished defender. So like now moving him into a position that is foreign to him. Come on, like, you're asking for trouble. Man. I don't know. I think it was. I'm not going to say a gamble worth taking, but like you say, he did it midweek against Leicester, which they they. They were taken to the. They were taken all the way to penalties by Leicester. And the other thing that he should have realised is, uh, Puel didn't play a, a a full Leicester team. A lot of people were complaining. A lot of Leicester fans were complaining because they felt like you know we would rather have a good cup run than you be trying to focus on the league. We know we're not going to win anything in the league. So <clears throat> even against a weak Leicester team, Stones couldn't really do a job in the middle. So yeah, maybe he should have realised that. Um, on the other side of it, though, as well, I think there was some good play from Crystal Palace. To you know, like I say, it's not only about scoring the goals; you've got to keep you've got to keep them from scoring at the other end. Um, we spoke the other week when Chelsea beat them. Did Chelsea have the blueprint? And saying obviously Chelsea had a higher level of defensive players, oh. so maybe not every team could do that. I think Roy has found the blueprint for the lower half of the table teams. They were tight. They were compact. Um, they they cut off the wing play. Uh, we look at Wambasaka had a great game with Sane. Sane ended up spending a lot of the game pushed in rather than out on the wing because he was getting no joy out there. But also, like you mentioned with Townsend, besides the goal, he was covering Wambasaka a lot of the time. Oh, very well. Wambasaka pushes in, keeping that four back four yeah. tight. Townsend was on like on the right back position. He yeah. was always there. So the whole team in general. Set up well, organised well, and it worked perfectly for Roy. And yeah, City couldn't play through. And as we know, if they can't play through, they don't have many other options. The other thing that I thought was interesting about Palace was a lot of the time they had 10 men behind the ball, but not in a not in a kind of desperately holding on way, but just in a, all right, we'll let you keep control, we'll let you keep possession. But they were ready for counters. They were ready for counters. It wasn't 10 men behind the ball out of fear. It was more like, this is exactly how we're going to play. Because of how they played, the City couldn't play their usual run down the wing, cross it in, yeah, yeah. low on the ground. They, even their goal, the first goal was crossed in, um, I'm not sure who crossed it in. Delph. Delph. It was Delph. Delph to Gondolan. It was a brilliant cross. Brilliant cross. But this is not the typical City. It's not the typical, he crossed from deep. Yeah, he exactly. crossed from very deep. Something they don't usually do unless yeah, they... That's not fair. That's the, the Gundogan scored exactly the same goal against Man United. Yeah, but that's yeah, what but they, it's not their typical. No, blueprint. but that was that was the build-up play. Their that blueprint wasn't is Sane like or Sterling that. on the edge. Someone crosses it in, tapping. They couldn't do that at all yeah. because of how compact they were and how they kept guys behind the ball. If you look at Sane and Sterling for that match, they were after the first yeah, twenty-five deep. minutes. They were tucked in. They were tucked in, and there was no there was no outlet for them. Um, but it is it's very true. 
But I think, yeah, all in all, I think it's a great win for Palace because I was coming here today ready to talk about Roy and how long is he going to get away with... I mean, I've talked about it before. How long is he going to get away with these shoddy results? But I guess I'm going to uh, I'm gonna have to relook at that. Yeah, but as things happen, they're beating probably the best team in the country. They play Cardiff next, they'll lose that. <laughs> probably, probably. If they can play like this continuously, they, they may not win all their games, but it's a big booster for them. Very much, very much so. And like I say, it's... Yeah, it's not anything to... It's not. A, it wasn't a lucky win. It wasn't a 1-0 and okay. held on. And even with that, they couldn't get a normal goal. The Bryan's one was a random cross. It was lucky. It was a lucky goal. Do you know goal, what I mean? Yeah. So they could, they've done themselves proud. I would put it forward that this was a better... That Crystal Palace's performance was better than Chelsea's. That yeah. this was a better... Crystal Palace's win against City was better than Chelsea's one. That mm. they were, were more thorough in it. And the other thing is, I guess Townsend's hair's back and so is his mojo. <laughs> Man's the Samson of the Samson of, of the Premier League. I thought he was losing his hairline to be honest. I thought that's why he was <laughs> shaving it, but obviously not. So with that city defeat, Friday's game, Wolves nil, Liverpool two. So Liverpool now, four points clear at Christmas, three games till they play City, two stars are shining, first in the league at Christmas. <laughs> and the partridge in the pear tree. It's <laughs> uh, Christmas in there, far for that in. But nah, but on, the, on the real though, can Liverpool actually win this now? Four points clear, only two teams, <laughs> which in Liverpool have flopped at this stage uh, in previous seasons. Can they actually go on and win the league? Um, I'm still not convinced. I'm still not convinced. Obviously, City have had the blip there, but I think Liverpool's blip is still to come. They're only, not going. I don't they've think only they're going conceded the seven goals all season. I don't think they're going the whole season unbeaten, my, especially when the fixtures get congested in February, March time. My, my question would be, what would their blip be? Fair enough for the Champions League coming up. That's what I'm saying. It's going to be. I think they've got enough personnel to do a job, even when the big guys like Salah or whoever's not performing. Shakiri comes on and gets a couple goals. So with this, I think the stability they've got in the back with Van Dijk, somewhat Allison. And now Salah coming back in form, I think they should be fine. Uh, you know what? You just said what their blip be. Their blip is going to be their defence. As much as everyone's lauding them, and I just said they conceded seven goals, but they're lucky to only have conceded seven goals. In terms of like Wolves, if Wolves had a striker, they would have scored yeah. and they probably would. They should have beaten Liverpool. They had bare chances. They just couldn't. Their they quality was the problem. I mean, we've yeah. said that for a long time. So now you take that to a better team. Like obviously they got City coming in a couple in a couple games time, um, just against the better teams. And when like further down the season, when pl- certain players are tired and stuff like, that, they're not going to be able to okay. Then this is this is what I'll say to that. Every league has that kind of situation where uh, the lesser team has good chances like, of if they had a better striker. You can say that about many of these teams, even Palace to some degree. So the question is, why would that be the the problem for Liverpool? They're beating the team that's in front of them. Because it's only it's only oh, no. going to happen so many times. It, what I'm, I was trying to say is, they play Man City. It, it's usually the case where, when it comes to playing maybe the top four, so to speak, that's where, you know, you have to out-tactic someone. Mm-hmm. To, you know, mm-hmm. gain the points in that respect. But this is what happened with the lesser teams. So, I don't think it's going to come down to just maybe a Man City game or a Tottenham game. We're not going to hope maybe Wolves get a better striker. It's just... This is what would happen. No, but I think the point he's making is 
that if that's the way they're playing in this time, in this congestion fixture time as well, if they're getting lucky against a team like Wolves, when they come against City, when they have, do have those clinical finishes, City will take those chances that Wolves didn't take. I don't think he's saying that it will come against I, a Wolves team okay. that are clinical finishes. I, I wouldn't say they were lucky in that respect. I think Wolves had chances they didn't take, which is fair enough, but Liverpool made their own chances as well. No, but I mean, how many times did Liverpool give the ball away to Wolves in that game? Quite like, about Liverpool again, kind yeah, of Liverpool, like... It's not a case of... It wasn't just a case of Wolves were not... It's not just a case of Wolves weren't finishing. Liverpool gifted them three, four good chances in that game. And if you're going to be doing that against Wolves, then what are you going to be doing against City? They live alone. That's the thing. It's come, yeah. This game has been... The, it's basically two of their biggest stars of the season are the ones that were the difference in this game. Salah, obviously, and then Van Dijk. That's it. Those two... Like Van Dijk showed up, obviously, the defence... Salah picked up where he was last season. Yeah. And they're the difference between what Wolves and, and Liverpool are in terms of, yeah, if take Salah into that Liverpool team and into that Wolves team. Okay, I'm not then, saying, you, then yeah. you get to the Man City game with Chelsea. Said so Chelsea gave, gave out the blueprint. This was Man City away. They lost. Mm. They've just lost at home. So, and to a much lesser team. So, what makes it easier for Liverpool to go into a blip and not Man City I'm not saying it would not I'm not saying it would definitely happen mm. I'm just saying it's likely to like if you look at the odds uh, you know if you look at the way football goes and the way history goes like there's going to come a time when it happens um, you know there's a reason why no team since Arsenal have been the Invincibles plenty of teams have had teams good enough to do it but it does happen like I say especially come February March time when the fixture is going to get congested and you're talking about they've got the guys to, to come on and do a job. They've got the guys to come on and score a couple goals if things go well. But like looking at that game on Friday, Kate and Fabinho, they're still not banging. They're still not the guys they're still not the guys that they Fabinho brought. Fabinho did all right. Fabinho did okay. Fabinho, Fabinho did, well. Fabinho Fabinho had, did okay. He had a, a decent game that, on his, Friday. That whole game. He had an was, all right game. That that game was a basically a round as yeah, roundup of his whole season. It literally he did a mistake at the beginning, which then led to a goal, and then he and assisted. Then he assisted the but yeah. he wasn't. He's that he showed in between he showed that. brilliance, but then he, he showed did, yeah, faults he did. as well. Yeah, I mean, in between those two polar opposites, there was just. Then, I, then I'll, I'll put in this defensive yeah. for Liverpool. When those chances came in for um, Troy, Van Dijk was always in a good position where his shots were never in any angle or position to trouble Allison. And I think that that point was regurgitated by. Um, I'm not sure someone on TalkSport. Van Dijk's position helped Alisson. But I think as much as Van Dijk was marshalling Traore into positions, Traore is still getting a couple of those shots off that were going like by the post or whatever. A more clinical or a more experienced player could at least get those on target. And again, maybe Alisson's saving them, maybe he's not. That's my point. I so, think from how his position is, Alisson, if he's good as we say he is, should be saving them. Should be, but will he be? And say... You know, Traore, yeah, Traore hasn't got the best shooting record. He's not the best finisher. He's a great guy for running, but he's not a great guy for shooting. A higher quality attacker well, can make something out of those. But we'll see. We'll see. Liverpool play, obviously, Newcastle next, but then they've got Arsenal and then Man City. So those two, two games. games will be telling. Yeah. All right, so moving on to a game that's typically and historically one-sided. Tottenham versus Everton. Everton losing... By like six goals, margin. but it's not a surprise. I mean, like I mentioned before, historically Tottenham's always got two, three, four goals in this game. 
except something you mentioned before about the defensive mid. Uh, yeah, um, it's not surprising because neither team played with a recognised defensive midfielder. I suppose you could say Tottenham, Sissoko a bit, but he's not really been playing no. a defensive role for them. Um, Everton, obviously, have got Gay uh, injured. So they played like their, their deep line centre mids were uh, Andre Gomez and Tom Davies. Um, neither one of which is known at all for being defensive uh, in any way. And it proved to be their downfall. Um, we talk about teams giving too much respect to big teams. I don't think Everton gave them enough respect. It was too gung ho. There was no, there was no respect. And like again, two or three seasons ago, you could probably have gotten away with this with a Tottenham team. But Tottenham are far too clinical, and they've come too far for you to be able to to just try and go all out attack and hope that you can just score and you, keep them out. Are you sure about that? Because they took the lead with Walcott, then they should have had another goal. They should have gone two 0 up, and then like, so if it, if probably would have gone two 0 up, they could have shut up shop and things. So the tactics. Were working at first. The goal was wrongly disallowed. No, no they, they were, but two, two in a lot. It's uh, now Tottenham have to come to you to fit to. They have to come push at you. You can counter attack. So the tactics were working. The tactics were working, and they could have. If they were two in a lot, it would have been a different case. But they did it, and then the goalkeeper had a nightmare, and then from then it was downhill. Bro, Tottenham scored six goals against them. You think they were shutting up shop? I like I told you, outside of Keane and. Zuma, they did not have a defensive-minded player on the pitch. There was no way they would have been able to shut up shop and Tottenham wouldn't have you, got something you, out of it. You, you really think if it was two, so the t- I two, really think two, two nil down, two they're still going to come back and... Your two nil really? down is still in the first half. Like 30 minutes yeah, into it's the first half. Not even 13 minutes. In tw- it was in the first 20 minutes. No, I, I think maybe they could have... Like, I'm not saying guaranteed that Tottenham would have been able to come back, but I think the game plan that he went with was not made for scoring a goal and then shutting up shop. It was not made for scoring one or two goals and shutting up shop. It was going toe-to-toe with Tottenham no, no, but and being thing, able it's to just match the, them. The pressure goes off you, so then you can then... So, like, I'm, I'm just saying you're, like you're saying that they went... Yeah, they, yeah, They yeah, abandoned yeah. tactics and they went gung-ho. I'm saying, no, they didn't. I think their tactics worked at the beginning, but then because the 2-0 didn't happen and then the goalkeeper... Yeah, the tactic, like, you think his tactic was to get a goal quickly and then shut up? They, no, they got a no, goal. All I'm saying is, if they would have come out with three points. I, I missed that one. Was that goal wrongly disallowed? Uh, I think it was wrongly disallowed. It was a very, very soft. It was a very, very soft foul. The other thing that I would say is, though, all right, yeah, Everton scored one and then they had that one disallowed. Uh, Tottenham had a lot of chances as well. Yeah. Tottenham had a lot of chances as well. Like in the first half an hour, there could have been four or five goals between the two teams. So it's not like it was all going Evans' way. I don't think he's. I don't think Silver saw the game going as in we're going to score it and shut up shop. I think he before saw it going as we're going to be battling four goals all the way to the end of the game. So if they had gone one or two, even they went one nil up, they didn't shut up shop. Yeah, they, no, they no, could no, have no, shut up. No, shop. but I think one nil and two nil are different things. Yeah, one nil or two nil. You got you got that margin of safety. So then now Tottenham are pressing more at you. So then that's where Tottenham can they can go on the counter attack and they can not just shut up shot, but every single time Tottenham try because Tottenham will be pushing more. That leaves more space open at the back. That means Walcott, Richarlison, they have more chances for them to be through. But after the first goal, Tottenham did that. Tottenham just started. Tottenham did that usual thing where they kind of just like panic and just pushed forward and. Everton, Everton struggled straight away. Tottenham imposed themselves on the game almost immediately after that first goal. 
So I mean, again, it would have been a fortuitous. It would have been a, 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 for, a fortuitous uh, scoreline for them to be at two 0 up and to have the luxury of trying to be like that. But they didn't have the players on the pitch. Like they had great counter attacking players. But I don't think they had the players on the pitch that could stop Tottenham attacks for I the counter attacks to happen. Three one at half time is very telling. Even if you had a good enough game plan, you can't crumble so easily after one goal because they scored it within six minutes. Tottenham had scored it, and it was one one. By half time, they had scored two more. And also, all three of those goals in the first half were all Everton's fault. So you have the first goal, which was the mix-up between Zuma and Pickford, which Pickford's fault, he, he should have left it 100%. and let Zuma take it. The second goal, uh, keeper parries and Delhi Ali unchallenged, comes running in and throws it in. If you've got a defensive midfielder there, that guy's keeping an eye out for any midfield running in. The third goal, free kick, comes off of the, comes off of the post, goes back into the penalty area. Penalty. Every single Everton player is standing there. Watch, I mean, even the centre-backs were at fault for that one. But again, a player comes running in and kicks it. No, but there was no defensive-minded players there. So, you know, if Tottenham would have been peppering shots at them, left, right and centre, even at 2-0 up, they're going to be getting those second balls, those third balls. I just think he should have had, like I say, all right, Gay's injured. You've got Schneidel in there. You've got no, uh, Umar no. Nias there as well. I think you're making a bit too much out of this defensive mid. Because can a defensive mid do anything about a goalkeeper? No. If, if you look at some of the... But if, you, if you see where they were... Where the, the positioning was, where the, 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 the goals were coming from, through the middle, Harry Kane just slips the edge to the, the side box. and Son is literally just there. It was just so open in the middle. A defensive midfielder would have had the knowledge that I have to cover that area, I have to cover that guy... You're looking at attacking players, their minds on that. When Ali scored his goal, Davies was just jogging. Davies was jogging back. Ali just runs past and puts it in. A defensive midfielder is not going to be jogging like that. He's going to be, boom, let me get there. Let me get that second ball. Hey, so is Marco De Silva then missing a trick? Like, obviously, I know Idris Gay is injured. McCarthy, injured. So then... Yeah, oh, yeah, there wasn't it. So it was just Snidlin. So yeah, it was just Snidlin. Yeah, but Snidlin, you know, Snidlin to offer at least something to the because they were getting carved apart as well. Like the fullbacks were pushing too high up the pitch after the first 10-15 minutes. They had to stop doing that because the defense were just getting carved. Like the balls going between the two defenders were ridiculous. But yeah, I think on another day against another team that probably could have worked. But Tottenham Nah, it was too much. Like I said in the beginning, it, exactly. It, it, there was no respect. They've got Burnley, Brighton, Leicester. These are the kind of games they can try. Not against a Tottenham. Exactly. Especially after the last five games. After the they've City lost game. three. They have three losses, two draws. I wouldn't be trying that against Tottenham. No, and like, like they they tried a similar thing against City. It didn't work either. So like we've gone through three teams now, with the race for first: mm-hmm. Liverpool, City, Tottenham. All three obviously can still go for it. Is it still just a battle of two? Or yeah, I think it's a battle of two. I think it's a battle of two. Tottenham are only two points behind T. Yeah, but I think in the head-to-heads, Tottenham are the weakest of all those three. Like, who, which one of them two are they beating? You can't write them off. I can't write, you, I won't I write them off. You can write them Even off, the, the, the difference uh, they're not points, winning. You can't write them they're off. Winning. They're not winning. Like I said, it, like, it's going to come down to the head-to-heads between those three. There's only, there's only so much pressure. <laughs> but that's what I'm saying I'm like you look at those games which of those which of those games do you see Tottenham winning Tottenham Liverpool Tottenham City which ones of those do you see them winning they could. I think they could pull out a draw no but I, I can see them winning either the games on, yeah, on the day or whatever but based on form based on form now based on form now and the way the teams are playing 
Based on form and how the teams are playing, I can see Tottenham definitely beating Man City at the moment. What, because they lost one game to Palace? Well, they've lost two games this season. They can be beaten, clearly. So can Tottenham. <laughs> clearly, because they're lower in points than them. Okay, we'll see. <laughs> Another upset as Leicester take all three points from Chelsea at the bridge. Uh, Jamie Vardy scoring a beautifully worked goal uh, to give them a 1-0 lead. Going into this game, there was a lot of talk that Claude Puel's position may have been in threat, that if he wasn't going to get a few points over this Christmas period, he would be, uh, he'd be packed off, basically. Taking a look at it, they're now ninth. They've taken 10 points from their last 10 games. Is it, was it, is it warranted that his job should be under pressure at this point in the season? In that kind, I mean, they're 13 points off the top. If they hadn't won this game, there would have been 10 points. Off the bottom, sorry. If they hadn't won this game, there would have been 10 points off the bottom. Should there be talk of his job being in danger at this stage? You know what? I'm going to say no on this. Because, first of all, that middle part of the table is very tight. So, look, this evening, you could lose a game, you drop point, drop places, and then you win games, you jump up places. But then the thing is, they've got to put Leicester into, like, the whole of Leicester season into perspective. Here. They've had, not because of fixtures or anything, but they've had a difficult time this this uh, mm-hmm, this mm-hmm. season obviously yep. with the owner and all of that so not just that he's, he's got to be he's got to be a man manager at certain things and obviously tell players that you're not like fixed up on the pitch and stuff like that but then also you got to remember you got to be emotionally sensitive as well you got like some some of these have lost their good friend and stuff so it's a bit harder than just saying uh, like I think he's, he's doing a good job managing what what like the circumstances that have happened I mean, talking about man management, there was also a lot of talk as well of the fact that this new style doesn't seem to suit Jamie Vardy. Um, Vardy himself came out and and spoke about it. But in my mind, that's not something to crucify Puel for. If he's trying to change the team and the way the team play, it's the same thing that Guardiola did when he came in. Fortunately, Aguero adapted to it, but he changed the way that they were playing. And for a while, Guardiola was out. And then he came back in. So is it Puel's job to, to make sure that everything suits and sits around Vardy? I think the main main thing for that was because he is the, like the main he's a key guy now for Leicester, really. I mean since Mahrez has gone. just gone and obviously mm. they lost Kante already. So everyone would think, you know, you need to play around his strengths. But looking at the game yesterday, although I think Leicester were lack, um, lucky because Chelsea had a mountain of chances. But it seems like Leicester's game before with Crystal Palace, everything, nothing will go in for them. It was just Leicester's day. But he got a goal, and the goal was a good goal. It was through the same passing play that Priol wants to play, through Madison, and a good through ball, mm-hmm. Vardy running in from behind. So, I mean, he can work in the system. It's just, I guess, like you said, he said, yes, keep working at it. Just keep working at it. Simple as that. Because it was a beautifully worked team goal. Like that is what Puel wants. Like from back to front, yeah. great passing, great running. Um, flipping the coin and looking at Chelsea, nothing would drop for them. What's their excuse? Because obviously they had the game in midweek, but only five players that played in the Carabao Cup game played today or yesterday. Sorry, and out of those five, only one of them was an attacking player, which was William. Um, their players were fresh. They were just as well rested as the Leicester players. What was, you know, they did miss a few chances, but should they be putting them in? I think, this is just my own opinion, I just think they're lacking a proper striker. It's been one of their main things, and I think if they had a striker, 
they wouldn't rely heavily on like a hazard or whatever. So mm-hmm. when they have someone that's doing the, the job already, you know, they've got a mix. Yeah. But now it's like they don't have it. So they have to use someone in a makeshift position here and there. And I guess it, it doesn't yeah, but you know, fully execute for them. With um, with Chelsea, like, obviously new manager coming in, all that, all that, and then they went on their unbeaten one with City and Liverpool for a while. Their whole position of where they are is, it's been, it looks a lot better than they are. Than oh, yeah, they yeah, really yeah, are. yeah, yeah. Really so, like, these, these are the games that they would have lost this earlier in the season. We would have been like, okay, you know, this is just how it is. Like, they're adapting and stuff. But it's like, I, I don't know, I don't, I don't see, it's just, they're just not there. They're nowhere near the finished article and it's just where they are. But the thing about, if, if you look up, the normal games, they've only had like three losses in the last maybe 10 games. But it, it, I think this is only highlighted because it's at home and it was Leicester, which they should... But you saw the game. I mean, you saw the chances they had. Sitters here and there. They should have really put Leicester away. But I don't know. I just don't think it was one of those... It's just one of those games. It was, nothing was going to go in for them for whatever reason. But I think if they had a... Definitely had a striker sorted. I mean, they'll be... I think they'll... I mean, given what they, the predicament they're in now, they would do, be doing a better job. Um, are they still top four? Come the end of the season, if that's their problem, and they're going to be dropping they, points to games like if this. They, if they they strengthen, which I reckon they will in January, they should be. I don't know in terms of the Leicester goal. Is it is the defense terrible? Because the person I was complaining was Rudiger, and he's the defender. Yeah. So what's he complaining about? I think he, maybe he's complaining more about that no one was putting anything in at the other end. But it's true. Maybe he should be looking at himself first because that they still could have got a point out of it if that goal hadn't gone in. So, you know, maybe he shouldn't be looking, he shouldn't be so vexed, he should be vexed at himself rather than anybody else. With Chelsea, there's a few points that have been already been made, like Kante playing in the midfield and whatnot. So, <laughs> there's all these little changes that Sam Sarri has made that may not suit Chelsea, but striker thing is obviously affecting them even more now. Fair play. So, over to the Emirates. Arsenal 3, Burnley 1. Arsenal finally win the first half, in it? Yeah. Actually finally win it. Put that, it's the first time. Put, put that record to rest. <laughs> But um, yeah, there's always there's been a lot of talk recently about Ozil, um, Una Emery dropping him numerous times, stating tactical reasons as the reason why he's been dropped. But then he comes in and he pulls a pass that no one, no one even saw apart from him. He's the only one that saw Kalashnikov. And Kalashnikov. Yeah, from like, I don't even think Kalashnikov saw it. He actually <laughs> ran it. But um, the only thing like. Stokes up a lot of stuff like Ozil. People say he's good, it's crap. Is that Arsenal better with him or are they better without him? I think it's made no difference. If you look at this this kind of scoreline against this kind of team is what Arsenal's been doing pretty much for most of the season, bar that Southampton blip. But he says he took uh he says he took Ozil out for, for tactical reasons. They won the games that he took him out of for tactical reasons, so I guess he was right. We can all say should have, you know, what might have happened, what may have happened if Ozil has still been in there. So far, tactically, he's getting it correct. So I don't think, no, I don't, I, I don't think they're a better or worse team about Ozil. I think they're just the same. And my question would be, why do they not perform to standard that they should do? Because obviously, Aubameyang, being the kind of player he is. Should be getting goals, right? Left and side. He did get two goals. But yeah, yeah. But with Ozil, you mean? Ozil in there, Lacazette. Obviously, he was in there for a while. They still couldn't get anything pop until they like, came off for it will be or something. But 
I mean, the other point was that was 2-1 up for Arsenal. Burnley could have had a penalty or should have had a penalty. Yeah, it could have been 2 all. It could have been 2 all. So, different game. you mentioned before about the defence. Why... Is What's wrong with the defence? What is the, the problem? That's the thing. It, I don't know. Is it? I, 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 I don't understand that defence. They're going through... Obviously, they've got injuries now. They've got a lot of injuries. I think Socrates is their only recognised centre-back who's actually fit. And but even before them, this, he did save them. He for did that save free them. kick. Everyone... <laughs> did. did you see that? They did the offside trap for a free kick. They had like five Burnley guys in front of the goal. And Socrates was the only one there. Just slid in and kicked the ball for a corner. They did it twice though as well. They oh, tried God. that with that free it kick twice. It was shambolic. But, um, yeah, I don't get... Like, even before, but even before all of these injuries, like, I mean, you saw it happened in the United game with the two-all. Um, there's the whole thing that they never had gone into the game. They've never gone into half-time in the lead. Uh, yeah, what is the defence? Everyone's praising Torreira. Everyone's saying that Torreira is that Vieira bite and guard that they need in that midfield. But it doesn't seem to be the case. It just seems to be they're scoring more now. Rather than that, just seems to be the change now is that they've got a better attack. You know what? But the thing is, and he didn't, he didn't start him in this game either. No, he yeah, didn't. Which is but that's, that's with the whole Christmas uh, fixture pilot that like, you guys have a team. He's a big play. boy. You can yeah, yeah, yeah. You guys have a team play. But the thing is, I would actually disagree. Like the defense, the defense, they have an issue, but so does every other team in the Premier League. Defending has gone out the window, apart from Liverpool. No team can defend. But um, <laughs> I'd actually go with the thing of like looking at the actual strikers and stuff. The attacking side of their game, like Aubameyang, joint top goal scorer with um, the joint, or he's actually out in lead ahead of Salah. The only thing is, I would actually say Salah actually has a better rate because he actually scores in individual game, where Aubameyang, he's got two now. He won't score again for a while. Like he goes, he goes games without he scoring. Two or three games. Then yeah. he goes without scoring. Then he scores two, and then so it's those games where he doesn't score a lot. That's when they're, they're dropping, <laughs> they're dropping points and stuff like that. They're not pulling stuff up. And then, because of obviously the whole issue of Aubameyang in one position and Lacazette, it's like, they're not both firing. Like So, if Lacazette, if Aubameyang's not scoring, Lacazette's on the left, he's not scoring. So, only they need to figure out a position, best position for either of them. And then they need to make sure that they're scoring on a regular thing, not just scoring three, two, in one, two in one game and then not in another. Um, I'm speaking about the Lacazette thing. Um, obviously, yeah, they're saying can the two play together. For me as well, I don't think Lacazette has quite shown that because sometimes he's preferred over Aubameyang. There's been a couple of times when he started, Aubameyang hasn't, and he hasn't done much in those games. He hasn't made much of a case of himself. And like, obviously, there was the thing where he he got subbed off, and you could tell he was he was vexed about being subbed off. Um, he might not be happy in the situation, but if it comes down to one or the other, it's Aubameyang all day. But the thing is, it's Aubameyang he, all day though. Even, so even though Aubameyang has scored more, the way when when I look at Lacazette and he's got the ball and he's running. It looks like something's gonna come with like with Aubameyang sometimes. Just looks like he's gonna, I don't know, fluff a chance or he's. T- he needs quite. It's yeah, like but he that makes it sound like he conjures something out of nothing, which is even better. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I'm saying that. I, I think, think you know what. Just to compound that, yeah, I would say, like we were saying about with the substitutes with Emery, how he just so, he, he does so many substitutes and and it seems to be effective. I think he reads games probably. Some games he started Lacazette and it's worked. And for some reason, some games started Aubameyang is not worked and he bought Lacazette, Lacazette scores and vice versa. But in general, he's been playing, or less in the last five games, he's played Aubameyang more and Aubameyang has been putting them away. So when it comes to form, Lacazette can't complain. 
Mm. He's tried the two together. It doesn't seem to gel properly. Someone is going to have to take a seat here and there. And, but I'm saying, if one Remember person has to take game. a seat, it mm. has to. It, uh, currently, it has to be Lacazette. It has to be, yeah. So, like, he can be vexed about being subbed, but you can either be vexed about being subbed or be vexed about sitting on the bench. I'd rather be vexed about being subbed. At the moment, they're not playing to their best, but they're still winning somewhat here and there. They've only drawn to United, and I think they lost. A, no, they beat Tottenham. So, I mean, it's it's not well, too bad, but they once. could be. <laughs> they could be. Well, they lost in the League Cup. Cup. But, yeah. Um, moving over to the other side, Burnley are now sitting in the relegation zone. Now, just nicely camped out there at the top of the relegation zone. Should Daesh be worrying about his job? Is it time for him to go? Are Burnley better than they're playing? Are they? Could a, could another manager do more with them, or is he doing the best he can with the team? I think when when you say better, what are you comparing to last season? No, I'm just talking about the quality of the players that they have. Do you think they play? Do you think they have the quality of players to be at a higher level in the in the no. table? I think they could be higher, but only because of what they've shown previously. No, I in don't. terms of their defense. So in mm. games like this, where you saw Burnley going for it here and there. Games like this before, Burnley used to concentrate on defence. Mm. The defence was mm. solid. So you're playing away at Arsenal. I would expect a typical Burnley side to hold that down, at least. Yeah. And then try and get something here and there. No, but for, for me, this is why, this is why no matter what manager they change it, if they, if they were to get rid of that, which I don't think they ever would. They ever I don't would. think they will. But if they were, I don't think a new manager's coming in doing better. Especially yeah. unless they need... They need a full summer, at least. Like just oh, a January transfer window is not enough. They've got they are defense. They're defense minded. They've got their defense sorted, so they can try. Like they they'll do whatever, put a build a brick wall to try stop a goal. But going forward, they can score the odd goal here and there. But yeah, they they're not. They're not. Yeah, they're not built for for going forward. So they just they're around to just nick a goal, do long throws and stuff like that. But they're not that. They're not great going so, forward. No matter who's in charge, it'd be destined for the championship. I mean, if it continues so, yeah. as, as it goes. So stick with the devil the, you know. The only way that they that will save them now is if there's a worse team than them. That's the only thing that's going to save them. That's a good point. That's a good point. With um, four losses on the trot, Huddersfield versus Southampton, no different. They lost 3-1. And the question is, should they follow the mode that Southampton have? Change manager... Because no team seems to be a bogey team for them or whatever. They just can't <laughs> seem to beat anyone. Yeah, yeah. Um, obviously, you know, I've been touting them for the drop from, from the start, from the earliest. And I think, for me, I don't think there's anything they can do. Um, I was just looking at it. They've got seven points out of the last 30. So seven points out of the last 10 games. I, I don't think a change of manager will work. And I also don't think that the January transfer window is going to do anything for them. I don't think it's a case like, like we always said with Southampton that they had the quality of the players, they just weren't being used right. Um, I don't think that's the case with, um, again, apart from what Billing and I struggle to think of anybody else. <laughs> I think, um, I think some signings could actually change them, but I think those yeah, signings are out, in, the signings are out there. <laughs> their, their budget of course so. bro like they, 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 could, they could go sign the whole new first 11 and, and, and change things around but you know we're, we're talking about Huddersfield they're going to bring what two people in but that's my question have you ever watched a Huddersfield game which it look they look so convincing that maybe one or two players will no. totally change the team no exactly that's it, it that's looks, the question that's, that is the question and I don't think there's anything to do and plus a, a transfer could change things for them it could score them a few more goals 
But the fact is, everybody who's around them now, or everybody who's above them, shall I say, that's not in a relegation zone, they're all improving now. So I think it's not just a case of getting better, it's a case of catching up, and I don't think that they can catch up. Um, unlike Southampton, who, you know, it was a great game from Southampton. It was amazing, it was free-flowing. Uh, I remember earlier in the season, I think it was the Chelsea game, I said they they seemed to they had some chances to get at Chelsea, but they were too scared to. Um, and there was a couple of other games this season where it's been the same, where they were very hesitant. The shackles were off. Um, like I said, it's that new manager smell, like that he's given them belief. But it's not just that. It's not just that they're playing with no fear. He's also built them and set them up in a way for them to do the to do the best they can. No, definitely that. Yeah, that smell. It must be completely magic tree in the car. <laughs> It must be such a good smell because Mark Hughes was virtually so bad that <laughs> cleared out that stench. Yeah, and to add to that, obviously you have to shout out the the youngest player to score for Southampton, the eighteen-year-old apparently. Mark. Eighteen. He looks older than me. He was born in the eighties. <laughs> <laughs> there need to be some bone density checks for this guy. Look <laughs> like trees. No, that's like like the he maybe is eighteen. I mean, yeah, I don't know. We're don't shouting know. out some, but yeah, you know what. <laughs> They're getting goals from right, left and centre now. Um, they, they beat Arsenal. Redmond is looking like his old self. Mm, Danny Ings coming back seems to be someone that's... I mean, he's got, what, seven goals already? Yeah. So, to be injured for that long, coming here and there now to get seven goals. Although, what, did he get two goals the last game? Uh, it was two in the... Was it two in the... Yeah, it was two yeah. in the, the Arsenal So, game. I mean, yeah. these are all positive points for Southampton. Hoiberg is getting assists I was about again. to say, Hoiberg, um, very influential in the team. Yeah. And you can see why they bought, because I thought he was going to be a great signing when they first yeah. got him, but had looked like that so far. The only issue now is, and it's not really an issue, it's just unfortunate timing. Their next three games are West Ham, Man City, then Chelsea. Um, obviously, if things go the way that they're expected to, they will lose the Man City and Chelsea games, which could put them right back into the danger zone. Um, the West Ham game West Ham should be a good test for them West Ham should be a very good test for them it's at home as well for them um, you know based on the Southampton of old I would say the most they would be looking to get out of those three games is one point which obviously wouldn't do anything for them and if that does happen like that then they will be back in trouble but I think during the month of January February they could probably build it back up again I just think this run of games comes at an opportune time over to London Stadium uh, West Ham's winning run was brought to a halt by Watford uh, of a 2-0 defeat at the London Stadium. This was an interesting game because they both went into it on the exact same points in roughly the same kind of form. And the winner, which turned out to be Watford, were catapulted from down around 12th and 13th up to 7th. Uh, like the Chelsea-Leicester game, it seemed that nothing would drop for West Ham. Uh, that seemed to be the difference. It was a very exciting game. It was pretty end-to-end. Um, I just think, well, I'm not to say that stuff didn't drop for them. I think they were lacking a little bit of quality in this game. They had quite a few chances. Antonio especially. Hernandez here and there, but I think Watford were just well organised. It seemed, I think we were talking about it before with um, Anderson. He couldn't get a game. He's been one of their main... Um, him, Snodgrass and Noble to some point have been... Um, instrumental in how they've been playing. So, how how this game panned out was not the way you expect them to play, given they've had four in a row, four wins in a row. So, I think the difference is yeah. So uh, Kiko Firmino kept Anderson very quiet, which is something no one has been able to do 
so far this season uh, in terms of teams around them. Um, I think the differences as well, because I think Snodgrass was there, he wasn't being kept quiet. Snodgrass is getting them goals. Uh, Noble is doing well protecting that midfield, but Anderson is not only scoring goals, he's a creative outlet as well. And I think without that, they were restricted to less chances or less clear chances, as well as not having his goal input. Mm, I don't know. I, like, I think you're giving West Ham a bit too much credit. Like, obviously, obviously yeah, Watford dealt with them, but their four games that they've had, obviously, it's against lesser teams. And so they've had a false pretense a bit. And now they come against the first good team and they've lost. So they're actually, their realities are, they're not as good as they are. Yeah, but they it's not to say that, that they were outplayed by Watford. Anything that you can say that Watford did to West Ham, West Ham did to Watford. Did. It's just that, obviously, Watford had that penalty and then they tucked that chance away at the very end of the game. I wouldn't say that they were outplayed by Watford. It was a good, again, it was a good end-to-end game. Um, either team could have come away the winner on that day. It just that was the difference was that West Ham couldn't put it in the back of the net but they had their chances as many chances as Watford if not more probably but again didn't drop for them it wasn't even him just it, Watford just looked to edge it and like you mentioned before last week was it two weeks before mentioned, mentioned um, West Ham way of, of playing <laughs> maybe it only works on lower teams exactly all yeah. the teams they play were like bottom half of the table so really this is this is their game did we, uh, obviously, you know, we talked a couple of weeks ago about the fact that they could make top 10, top 8, I think you I, came I, into, were we, were we this overestimating is where them? With the, uh, this is the thing, this is where with the talent they've got, they should be able to make top 8 easily. Mm. But with what we've just seen, especially them playing at home, it, it brings into question, can yeah, they but, actually do it? But why not? Because between West Ham and Man United is 5 points. So why can't they finish? They can finish top six. They can and they should. Top, top six easy. They can and they should. But it's it's yep. a question of the like we're saying, the teams around them, can they beat them? Yeah. Every it's team not just below, a case of them getting those points. Because we're not saying they teams. should do it, but if they're doing it to teams below, the teams around them, they they can't beat them, then what happens? No, but that's the thing. They can have well, as it's been put, it's an off day. Off days happen. Then but on the on the flip side, if they can then recover and get and snatch points as they, as they that's did the question was it an off day are we saying it was an off day or are we saying that, that they weren't good enough given the evidence which you've just said as well the bottom teams they can beat the top teams and looking at it now they're 12th Everton, Wolves, Leicester, Bournemouth ahead of them before Watford given this evidence I wouldn't expect them to beat any of those teams no but that's the thing like, even Watford looking at them they had like a couple of weeks ago they were on a bad run then they turned it around so it's like these type of teams are all similar Anyone on their Except day. these guys have shown a pattern. Which pattern? Of beating the lower teams and not the teams around them. I know. What you mean? What for them? No, I mean West Ham. That's why they can't make it in because they can't beat these teams on top of them. But then they get. In fact, you can actually say exactly the same thing with Watford, because look, if you look at their, their runs, the teams that they beat in. And they beat Wolves, which is a decent team. But then it's Huddersfield, but Watford are in Cardiff. Out. Watford don't have a blueprint. These guys have a blueprint of. We'll beat the crap out of these teams, but we struggle against the top teams. But do they have a blueprint, though? This is the thing. It's just, just a... It looks like it's a pattern. Three wins, four wins against these teams. First team we come against, bang. Who do they play next? Let's see. To be honest, though, mm-hmm. just to throw something in there as well, maybe um, one point I wanted to bring up, and it speaks to what you were saying about Watford being better than them, I do think maybe Watford do deserve more credit because you just said that Watford went for a bad run. Watford have lost four in their last 10 games, but 
out of those games, two of them were Man City and Liverpool, which are games they would be expected to lose anyway. So looking at it, they've lost two games. And then the other one was Leicester and the final one was Newcastle, which we all know was it was a bit of a mad result. Watford had their chances. So out of those four games they lost, one of them could have gone either way. One of them would say it was unlucky. So I wouldn't even say that they've gone on a bad run. Like they just had a couple of difficult games that they weren't expected to win anyway. So maybe Watford are a much better proposition than uh, than their place in the table was saying. Again, it just came up to how the fixtures were put together. It's just interesting though, actually, from again with Watford, when they were going on a bad run, they were, it seemed like Dini and Gray were completely dropped. Now, uh, yep. Dini had been brought back in. Yeah, I think and he was injured for a while though as well. But it's the new pairing, Dini and um, Delafeu. De yeah. But he'd been brought in and it's a bit more energy and obviously he's club captain and that. He mm-hmm. galvanises the team, tells them. Oh yeah, yeah. So that, has that been a bit of the revival? I'm not sure. I, I think know. the revival is Delafeu. Delafeu just is on game. Dini, come on, how many shots do we see him miss? Fair yeah. enough, he scored, which is fine. But he got and that was a penalty though. Dokore also had a chance, but... Dini gets some chance, which he should be finishing. This is where we get into the no, quality it, thing. No, I think his presence is important. His presence is important. Yeah, but yeah. No, but yeah, that's the thing. Similar to what we were well, saying about Ozil. Are Watford better with Dini or without? They're better with Dini on the pitch. Oh, this one, no doubt. Yeah. They're better with Dini. Although, kissing the ball before you take a penalty is nasty. <laughs> He does that every time. Like, I don't, why is he kissing the ball? Well, they want like, their foot all over that ball, dra- dragging across the mud and stuff like that. Nah, that's not. Well, it's not like there's going to be some random dog shit on the. On the you see every man spitting all over the pitch and everything like that. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of these guys, a lot of these players have sloppy seconds and stuff like that. Though. I don't know. About <laughs> They're used to it. Okay, then I'll give you this point. Oh. Okay, obviously, it's a, it's a tough one because it's Man City. Dini played against Man City. They lost. Fair enough. Dini played against Everton, they drew. Dini and Delefeo play, they won. Dini, Delefeo play, they won. Delefeo. Dini has been playing, but Delefeo. What is Delefeo doing? Have you seen what he did in the last game? Like, the yeah, chances yeah, yeah. he made. You can see what he can that, do. That random cross he made, I'm not sure who shot it. Um, forget his name, but he does things, he does the sort of Urzel things where you just, you don't expect it, but it's a quality ball. Get on it, you might get a goal. He's also, yeah, he's been and he's quite instrumental in building. I was saying before, he doesn't really play more than 60, 70 minutes. Now he's playing like 80, close to 90 minutes now. So, yeah. I thought it was a fitness thing. He, he seems fine to do it, so. That's two in his last two games. And both of those are the first two games that he's played pretty I think much when he the plays, whole game. He adds another dimension. Dini's mm-hmm. out and out striker and he's strength and whatnot. But Delefeo has quality come on. That goal he scored was it last game where he run through the defence in the box the Cardiff yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah I yeah, mean yeah. no 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 Tony, that's what I mean. they bring different things but I just think in terms of intensity Dini brings a lot cool over to St James's Park Newcastle nil Fulham nil Fulham managing to keep their first clean sheet of the season boop boop there's not really there's not too too much to say this of his lack of quality in that but um, Brandieri obviously focusing on defence but then also they had a chance to actually win the game they had a good and few chances that was like that, that Mitrovic shot I think it's a penalty I don't think it was unless you want to cut off that guy's arm no because no turning away he was trying to turn away no, no, even though his hands were down just the way that he seemed to so where do you want his hand to be like, because he question. followed the ball it's mm. not like his hands were Stuck to the they side were, of him. They, they were there. Okay, they were slightly. They were slightly big. So and like, there. They slightly. Just... I'm pointing at like my bicep. 
But he would not, because the way he would, because he obviously died for the ball. He tried to keep his hand down, but it still was there. It's that'd still have been blocked, harsh. So I'm sorry, that'd have been harsh. I think it's a penalty. What about Rondon's one? I think that'd have been harsh as well. I think they're both not penalties. Um, so what? I think yeah, it was. Nah, I don't think it's his, or the first that Rondon one. Yeah. I think there was I the second Newcastle one that maybe was a stronger shout. Yeah, I can't remember what the second Newcastle one was now, but um, yeah, it was. Both teams had chances, and again, it was just a lack of quality to let them down. For me, it was it was the classic game of two halves. Newcastle dominated the first half. Fulham dominated the second. Uh, I think nil nil was pretty fair. In the end, they cancelled each other. Yeah, they they, they in the whole game, out. I think um, was it? Yeah, Fulham got two shots on goal. Newcastle had none. Out of all these shots, <laughs> nothing was on target, really. So yeah, so it just it sums the game up all, all day long. The only thing that happened again was, and like I agreed with him the last time, I don't agree with him this time. Benitez again talking about the money that another team has spent. Um, he, he mentioned it in the West Ham it's game. His go-to, lost, it's his go-to which card, which is is a point for certain other teams. But Fulham spent, what was it, nigh on 100 million and they've been getting smashed by everyone. So you can't point to the money. Nah, but he's, he's <laughs> everyone been, nah, has but, smashed nah, it. Nah, but he's clearly saying if he had that money, Newcastle would be a lot better. Yeah, but it's the fact is you can't, you've not is, managed to beat the worst that, team in the league right now. The most annoying thing is why he needs to just shut up with this is he knew, like everyone has known for how many years that, that was it called, the Newcastle guy. Ashley. Yeah, yeah Mike Ashley does not spend money anyway so what does it, why does he think it's going to be any different I, just, think, I think it's a tactic I think it's a tactic because with that he's got Liverpool he's got Watford and he's got Man United next so if he's complaining about Fulham because of money he's sorted for the next <laughs> 100 games you know because yeah. after that they've got Chelsea so when you're looking at teams like Watford and Everton and the teams that they should be around the spending of money can be he can talk about the spending of money but when you're talking about a team that's spent that much money and is rooted at the bottom of the table, it, it's not like they're lower than you, they're worse than you. So it's not an excuse. And for Fulham, they've got still still got a long, hard run to go through. But if 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 this is a game to go by, they just need to be tactical. Ranieri needs to be tactical. And I wouldn't say you have to go for the games because you need points. But in terms of certain games, you know you're not going to win. Try and work on your defense. I think he just wants key. to get through this, yeah, this through this Christmas period fixture and period. And like I say, like you just said, focus on getting the attack, uh, focus on getting the defense sorted, and then because he knows that he's got the attack. You know, we saw that Fulham can score some banging goals. So if he can get the defense sorted, then he can set the attack free, and we should see them bringing in some points. With two teams trying to end their losing streak, Bournemouth come out top, two 0 winners. Starlet for this game, the young Welsh, I won't call him a wizard yet, but <laughs> the young Welsh kid, is it Daniel Brooks? David <laughs> Brooks. Yeah, David Brooks, he showed a lot in this game. Um, no, he did. Before you get onto him, I just want you saying two teams trying to end their losing streaks. Mm-hmm. And I know we were going to look at how we were saying about how ba- bad Bournemouth have been. Um the fact is, they're still sitting kind of pretty eighth in the eighth in the table, and if you look at that, they lost their last six games, or they lost six of their last seven games before this one. But when you take a closer look, the teams that they lost to, four of those six teams were Liverpool, City, Arsenal, and United. Games that they were never going to be expected to win anyway. So I actually think, for where they are at the moment in the table and what they've done, those six losses. 
they should be a lot further down. The fact that they've lost those six games, still managed to sit eighth, and those against four of the top teams in the country, or three and United, then I think that they've done a great... I think they're doing a great job this season. No, like, I don't I think, think they I, are. No, 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 they're doing a great job, but in terms of those six games that they lost, I know they play big teams, <coughs> but they should be... Again, and this is what I said that right at the beginning of the season, what I want to see with Eddie Howe. I want to see that he is challenging. Like He's taking points off the bigger teams and stuff. You can't be always talking about, oh, we ain't got the... like We're not as big as that team or whatever, and we can't compete with them. Uh, Crystal Palace is showing they can go to Zeta and win. It can, ha- it can happen. And it so, can happen, so, but... Wait, did you say Eddie has been taking points off the bigger teams? No, no, I'm saying he should be. He should be, oh, because right, obviously he has... Like, they've, they've lost, like, they've lost those, those games against the bigger teams, but I'm expecting to be seeing a few draws here. Like taking a couple of points from some of the bigger teams. That's what they should be doing. They they are as you said. They're Why safe. they're not they're not no, known for no, their the defensive no, prowess no, or no. no mainly the only thing Eddie Howe does is he goes for the game. That's it. But that's, that's the his thing. main no, thing. No, but the thing is they're safe. They're safe. They're, like they know there's no uh, what's it called. They've got no no thing of them being relegated. That's not going. They're not. That's not happening. So what else is it next? They need to push up in the league and try to. Take, just try to take points off the bigger team. That's but they did try. Obviously, we saw the Man City Bournemouth game. They gave a good try, and on another day, that could have worked. Uh, the United game, they could have got two all out of the United game. Even the Arsenal game as well. The only but game, they, like, but they went for it. They, it's not that they didn't try and go for it's it. It's not good enough, though. It's just still. I think that's more down to what he's got to work with than so the then, fact in, that he so didn't in, do in, it properly. As, as we approach the second half of the season, I expect now when they play these teams again. They need to take a couple points from the bigger teams. I think they can take a couple points from the bigger they, teams. That's, that's, that's the only way how they're going to progress. They're already they've got they're they're the best of the rest, pretty much. They're best of the, one of the best of the rest anyway. So now they just have to be able to snatch a few points from the bigger teams. I think that I think he's taken them as far as he can take them. I don't think they can get any better than it. All right, they can snatch. All right, you say they have to snatch some points off the bigger teams. It's going to change nothing. Like, they're not breaking into the top four. No, no, they, Maybe they could snatch a Europa spot. But not, those, those two or three points that they take from the big teams, what difference is that going to make? In they the have, no, they haven't got it. It's just so he can say, like, this is some just tidbits that he can have, a, like, he can just say he's done it. On his but team. I mean, he's, he's done it over the years. Maybe he's not doing it every season, but he has done it over but that's the, the years. Thing. He needs to become more regular in doing that. And nobody, no, none of the also rounds are ever regularly taking them points. And then when people put it down to it, the how money he spent, the kind of players he's got. He's got good players, but they're not on that level to be pulling out points. Yeah, Crystal Palace has done it, but these games are anomalies, as we all know. It's not always going to happen. Yeah, yeah, but he should do it once in a while, but his system is mainly attacking. He doesn't really seem to have some out-tacticking sort of genius about him. He just seems to go for it with an attacking force. That's it. There's no, I'm going to hold this way and you're going to bomb this way and we're going to you know, beat this team mm-hmm. that way. There's mm-hmm. nothing clever about his game. It's just good skill, standard football, and it works. And for me, I mean, like, you look at some of the teams below them, like Leicester, Everton, West Ham even, Southampton, any of those teams in a standard season playing to their potential should be better than Bournemouth, I would say. Should be above Bournemouth, but they're beating all of them. Even Wolves, the way that they started and went about the season. Um, Bournemouth... Uh, you know they're sitting pretty above some teams that they're they're outperforming some teams who you wouldn't say on paper they would, 
And that's why I'm saying the question is, I think, has Eddie Howe taken them as far as he can take them? Is that as far as they can go? And, you know, is this the, like I say, if they do finish in this top 10, top 8, is that the, the ceiling for them? Yes. <laughs> Which is fair enough. I think so too. I think so too. I just had to put the question out there. I had to put the question out there. The sending off Donk sent it off. Well, two yellow cards, one for mistaken identity, and one for natural foul. I'm just glad the referee doesn't see colour like that. The fact that he could, <laughs> the fact that he could mistake Dunk for Lacadia, you know, it warms my heart that we've come this far, kicking it out. Um, no, it's a it's a mistake. Uh, he shouldn't have got that first booking. The second booking was completely warranted. But I, I, I kind of get why he did it because if you look at from his angle, yeah, 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 Dunk's foot comes across, and then he thinks, okay, so he's the one that yeah. tripped him. Obviously, was his name Lacadia? Lacadia, Lacadia yeah. obviously fouled him first, so I can kind of see it, but. I don't know, you were mentioning before that you think he can get that rescinded. Yeah, he should be able to because it's um, the yellow card. They can no- you normally can't appeal yellows, but in mistaken identities, you can you can say it's nothing. So he won't have the, the suspension brought from the red card. But maybe he's lucky for him. Hopefully. Obviously, one of the main focal points of this weekend was United's first game under interim manager Ole Gunnar Solskjaer after the second of... Jose Mourinho earlier this week and the response was resounding Uh, a massive 5-1 win for United against Cardiff and well you know it was a completely different type of game from what United fans are used to seeing under Mourinho as I said in the intro I just don't feel like I wasted 90 minutes of my life (laughs) (laughs) I actually enjoyed watching the football match it was exciting I mean with the whole news of him coming in and we've always seen with Mourinho, every or most United fans know that in certain games we do did not need to play conservatively. So, mm. I mean, Marshall, the kind of attack we have, we expect to see more of an attack, which is exactly what we saw. The players were just going for it. The defence seemed a bit more sound, but as it was because of how high our wing-backs were and sure and young, mm. it just seemed to be more of an attack than... A defending game. And even from the penalty, it was just a silly, silly nonsense from Rashford. But people, or Lindelof that was playing, looked like he was a proper baller. You, you know, those little Lindelof things that ran we into saw. the opposition box twice. Yeah, I, okay, you said I should have mentioned this being only carded, but I say it's only carded because if this was a Tottenham or someone else, it could have been a different game. But it was good to see them express themselves. And I think it's a good stepping stone because as the games go on, they can learn and build from how social wants them to play and back to, I don't know, more attacking football. So, I, you know, every that is it is a good point to bring up that it's Cardiff and Cardiff aren't exactly, you know, a dominant force in football. But if you're looking at a 5-1 against Cardiff, Liverpool beat them 4-1, City beat them 5-0. So, if you've got, if as a team you're beating Cardiff by the same margins as the two top teams in the league this season, that's got to be some kind of measuring stick. To be honest, you know, for me, right, you look, you actually look at the the scoreline doesn't mean too much for me because you look at you actually look at the goals. Two of them were deflections. One was a penalty. So these are they're just like these are random things that could just happen over games that that makes the scoreline bigger than they actually are. But um, the main thing for me in this, I don't care if it's Cardiff or whoever, 
but it's the actual play that United did. Which was the sorry, which was the second Yeah, what was the second deflection? Herrera free, was the deflected. The free kick deflected. He went deflected. Yeah, that was, that was the better the slightest no, the free, deflection. the free kick deflected. The slightest deflection. I, I know what you no, mean, no, but if you actually see it, as much as you think it's a lot or not, it deflected. It deflected it by like two degrees. It was still going in the same area. It was did still it, going in the same place. Did it touch the guy? Yes. You know, fair enough. I, was it, was, I, I don't was really it, make Was it still going in the same area? I don't really, it's, it's, I don't really it's, make it's, the first two goals it's, myself. It's, it's a I just thought the goalkeeper messed on the first one. The second one deflected. Fair enough. But the other goals... But not yeah, every goal could be a wonder goal. But then that's the thing. Not It's not all about the... It's not about the goals for me. It's the fact that Again, like the the stat that everyone's been throwing out this week is the fact that United have outrun their opponents for the first time this season. Mm. It's like the gameplay had changed. They actually started running, making space for people, and they're doing stuff that my child's goal a couple of weeks ago would never happen. He would never be in the middle of the pitch with Mourinho <laughs> as manager. He, he would have been subbed as soon as he got to the middle. Although, saying that, um, obviously the 3 1 loss to. Liverpool, but there was the four-one against Fulham the week before that. So United, are, all right, it's not five goals, but it was four-one. Yeah, but and like you say, if you're saying two of those goals, no, but like that's a four-one against a against a, a lower-ranked team. It was still a high-scoring game. But as, as I just said, it's not about the scoreline that's matter for me. Again, in that game, it was very robotic. It was a dull performance, even though we come out four-one, it was dull. It was like just slow. We got to the thing like again, there were some. What I would say, fluke, like Ashley Unger was fluky in that. But it's just mm-hmm. very rigid and you just knew what was going to happen. It's predictable. This one is a, just free-flowing. It's, like, it's a throwback to the old United thing. I'm not saying that United now, we're here and this is it. We're far away from that. But at least this is the this is the starting point. It's a good step. And they step. move, yeah, they go from it, here. Even what you compared before, the other games, the other teams didn't do much either. Fulham, 2-0, 2-0. 2-0 Liverpool, 2-0 Man City beat them this in the League Cup though um, Chelsea beat them 2-0 as well but obviously United beat them 4-1 but the football wasn't entertaining and previous results I mean for me Southampton Palace telling games mm-hmm. games mm-hmm. like that and even before that Sevilla so for United as a whole Mourinho didn't seem to he didn't seem to push on when the third season started and now with this change with Ole coming in is the feel good factor like you, you always say the new manager smell and all that so but then that's the point how much of this result like like I say I'm glad that they won because I wanted to make this point and if I made it when they lost it just sounds like sour grapes how much of this is down to how much of this one result is down to Solskjaer it's 50-50 50% is down to Mourinho getting sacked mm-hmm. and 50% being Oli 50% is it's, <laughs> so, like, so it's like having Harry, a manager it's like having a at work having a manager that's a real dick he gets sacked you're like oh thank god and someone else comes in that you kind of like, it boosts you even more. So, But then, uh, in terms of, for instance, the team sheet, obviously, you know, he's just come in fresh. You not think that, like, Carrick and McKenna would no, have had a, a heavy influence I, on, on guiding him on how to play this game, this, this first this game? This is how I see it. The, the, the team picked out was Carrick's, 100%, because Ole just came in, he just... Finding out who's who and what's what and what's mm-hmm, going on. Mm-hmm. So Carrick could have... I mean, you could see on the touchline, he was always giving him advice here and there. But his presence and his... He was still um, ushering stuff here and there or barking some orders here and there, you know, telling him to play wide. So he, he had basic inputs into the game, but it's just that whole freedom of playing without Mourinho that helped it. That's a bit... I, uh, I think you gave too much 
thing to the like fifty percent Ole. I don't think he's got nothing to do with it. I don't even think the backroom staff had minimal to do with this. I think whoever they would have put out, whichever eleven, the players they wanted to prove that they they, they as much as everyone tries to say it, they're trying to be professional, or whatever they down tools for the Marino. They 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 were not playing. Now this game they bounced back and they're. Yeah, they were running around more. They were doing everything a lot more. It's going to be telling to see if they're like this in a couple of weeks' time. Will they still be able to keep the same energy? And that's when that's, the yeah. backroom staff and Ole, if they actually making a difference. But for for this game, they were always gonna. It was always gonna be that they were always gonna turn up and they were always gonna think. It was no doubt it's gonna be like against Cardiff. They're gonna top them. Okay, so now just. Looking at some of the topics going on around football, we know what the biggest thing was in the world of football this week, and that was the sacking of Jose Mourinho. Um, once Mourinho was gone, there was kind of a lot of trepidation and anticipation for who would replace him. Uh, left field appointment of Olegona Solskjaer on an interim basis for the next six months. What I want to know is, once those six months are done... What's next for United? Where do they go? What direction? We know there's a couple of front runners. Who's the most likely? Or is there another option that we haven't even seen yet? I think before that, even within six months, we've all identified Ed Woodward as our commercial director, but he's been moved into this whole football director type role. He's the chief executive now. He's he's doing everything and it doesn't suit him in terms of transfers and how the team plays and whatnot. So... It's been mentioned, obviously, United are looking for a football director or someone that could see over transfers or the type of play, certain football aspects, which he has no inklings on what to do in that position. No, 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 no. Out of his depth completely. So they need to really look at that while this is going on. So whoever does come in has a basis to go off. More so than just bring someone to start their own brand of football like Moyes did or LVG or even now Mourinho. Have something that's United-based. This is what we want. And then the manager plays with that. Oh yeah, but obviously we know that we know that that, that uh, director role, that technical director role, is is coming in regardless. But I think they will come in at the same time as the manager. But I think in terms of United and the strength that they put into identity and a way of playing football and bringing through youth, um, who the next manager is is a very very important decision. Uh, with Moyes, with LVG and with Mourinho, I believe there was kind of a clash of ideologies and United never made the decision of do we back the manager and, and realise their vision or do we have to steer them towards our vision and all of them were kind of caught and trapped in the middle and you saw the results over the last five years. So, you know, we all know the names that are on the table. The two big names are Poch and Zidane. Are we thinking Pochettino's likely? I don't know. I think Real Madrid are really looking at him as well. So I think if there was an option between Real Madrid and Manchester United, I see him going more so to Real Madrid. But in saying that, if if I was to pick one, obviously I'll, I'll pick Pochettino because he has that Premier League experience. He's shown what he can do with young players. He's shown his he's shown his tactical awareness in certain games, not a lot of games in the big teams. But I think. With a few restrictions like this season not being able to buy, many that have the foundations, they have the backing, they have everything he needs to build the team he wants and grow from that. Is that what is missing for him? The funds to 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 build the squad. To, like obviously he's not won anything with Tottenham yet. Is that what missing? Is that what's missing? The investment. 
Could be. For me, out of those options that you're saying, I do think Putch is the favourite for the role. And I really do think it's his to turn down. And the reason for that is United, obviously, with the, as you mentioned, the sporting director, for the sporting director role, they're sounding out uh, Paul Mitchell. Who used he to worked, uh, he, he was worked, at Tottenham. He, he yeah. worked at Tottenham, but he worked his, with Putches also at Southampton. Oh yes, he was he, at Southampton. Oh, yes, he yeah, left. Yeah. He left uh, Tottenham because of a dispute with um, with Levy. With Levy, yeah. Whereas you yeah. know, it's not Leipzig. Yeah. He's, 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 he's uh, yeah, yeah, Leipzig. Yeah, yeah, he's a Leipzig. Yeah, he's a Leipzig. So he's so he's over there. United have sounded him out with the fact that if you bring him in, obviously he's already worked with Poch. So that's paving the way there. The only thing that will stop that is. How much does Poch does he want United or does he want Real Madrid or does he want again they're only six, six, they're six points off the top mm-hmm. they can he, he's already built something does he want to go backwards the Champions League player part in that Tottenham will be there next season will United be there does but the question is they've been that? there already what have they done no, but and if you're still you're still with that same team you were with last season the season before mm-hmm. as you've built better what, where are you going from here that's the question. If I see it, personally, I would see it as you've got to this level, this is all you could do. What exactly do you expect to change the to only, the is, team? The guy's 46. Does he, does he even need to jump shit right now? Yeah. Like, if he, he needs to plan, he needs it's, to plan it's his It's not career. about age, it's about, it's about opportunities. It's nobody, nobody's planning their career no, by but, age. Like, no, people, he can, he's looking at what is, no, what's going to be best for me to secure my legacy or no, to be the best manager I can as be. A, as a smart person, you, you don't need to jump shit at the first opportunity. As, as it's been shown, jumping shit to United can be a big problem and it can mess up. <laughs> Going to Real Madrid, you can get sacked well, after how quick. So yeah, but then, it's not always, at the moment, he's safe where he is. So but does he like, not want to, again, be a legacy, go into the Tottenham Stadium? Just one season of that and then... You, the the thing out. with the whole... Man United situation for Pochettino is the 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 bad comment that comes David Moyes fans were fifty fifty about him thought small team blah 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 it was he sacked the whole backroom staff it was a lot of things going on so that yep. that was one thing LVG came in who had the reputation but he was an old guy everyone's like I thought we're signing a new legacy why is this guy coming in we weren't too sure the signings he made um, Di Maria losing Di Maria in the end. Everything seemed to look like it was going well at the beginning, but as it went, it wasn't working. People weren't convinced. It was like, he's not even going to stay there for more than two years. Mm-hmm. That changed. You know, it seemed like we're chopping and changing Mourinho. He was the best available. Just put it that way. He's the best available given CF Pep, Klopp had come in. He was the yeah. best available. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, yeah, yeah. he came in. On but paper. everyone said at the beginning, three seasons. And that's exactly what's transpired. He, he picked a fight with his... His place. Pochettino, on the other hand, hasn't shown any of that at Southampton. He's not shown any of that at Tottenham. He's shown to have good um, people, um, man management skills, shown to have a good eye for talent when it comes to youngsters, and he's shown to just have a good aura about him when it comes to transfers, it comes to setting up teams and playing good football. That's Man United, really. Um, so, two things basically. One, about your point about looking at his career, he doesn't need to jump ship yet, bruv. Like, let's take this to a normal average job. No one goes to a... No one goes to... No one tries to better themselves expecting to fail. If you're sitting in a job and you see another job... And come on, let's be real about it. Tottenham right now are a better team, but they're not a bigger club. Like, they're not a bigger club than Real Madrid. They're not a bigger club than United. So, if you have a chance to... If somebody offered you a chance for a promotion, you're not going to be like, nah, nah, I'm just going to stay... Like, you're going to take that promotion... You're going to take that promotion, especially if it gives you more of a chance to get the things that you want in life. 
Um, you know, that's the maybe he's not that kind of guy, maybe not. But if you go by how people generally think, that's what happens. The second thing you're saying about whether it's uh, Madrid or whether it's Tottenham, the guy loves Alex Ferguson. Like, Alex Ferguson was a big influence on him becoming a manager. Alex Ferguson was a big influence on his management style. He's very close to Alex Ferguson. Um, I think following Alex Ferguson's footsteps would be a very big lure for him. I'm not saying he is the guy to do it. I'm not saying he would be a great guy to do it. But if it's a case of, do I think he would take the job? I think he could be persuaded. Okay, then I'll put this question to to the rest of you. Um, Social, if he does do well, do you think, because they did say he might be going back or he will be going back at the end of the season and they are looking for a permanent manager, do you think they'll actually try and keep him if he does well? He'd have to win the Champions well, League. That's the thing. I was going to say classify. What does doing well mean? He would have to... If he could pull off... Do well mean get into the top four? Nah, nah, nah. I, I think they see. I think they would see top four... I think him getting into top four, they would be like, that's great. It's better than we expected. But I think one of the reasons they brought him in is because... Getting top four, winning the FA Cup? No. Nah, 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 nah. United, but according to reports, they have already done like a little pre-agreement with with Molden. Yeah, they'd have to pay him like two million or something. Two, 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 yeah. two four million. They, they, yeah, because he, he don't, he don't, This is the first time I ever heard of a manager coming on loan. You know, setting trends, setting trends. But no, the thing is, like with 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 that, I do think they're going to keep him as backup. But that's all assurances for. I don't think it's a given for uh, for Pochettino leaving. No, it's not a given. But then if Pochettino doesn't leave, you have the backup of Zidane. Um, The talk is that Zidane didn't want to take over a team midway through a season. Not just So that's why they got an interim in there. And he can't speak English. And if you look at their choice of interim, it doesn't speak to taking a chance. Sorry, excuse me. It doesn't speak to bringing in somebody who they think has a chance of doing it long term. They've taken a guy who already has a job and has got a job to go back to. So he's not desperate to keep it. Like, they could have gone for somebody like Laurent Blanc. But do you think Laurent Blanc would have come in and been like, all right, I'll just do this for six months and then I'll go? No, he would have wanted that job on a permanent basis. He would have, you know, he'd have been fine back in it. He would have wanted his way in January transfer windows. They've chosen a very, and no disrespect to, to, to OGS, like, they've chosen somebody. He's happy to be there. You yeah. can see he's glad. He's happy to be there. He's not going to rock the boat. They he's not going to make the really. Yeah, he's not going to catch feelings. Go he's going to be there system. in, out, done. And they've done that on purpose. You know, he's a, he's caught feelings already. Yes, he's and so happy. Sat there no, but he's the kind of, <laughs> but, but, but that's the thing. He's caught feelings, but went. But he knows it's no, a short thing. He knows it's a one night stand. Because it's a huge job, and it's where he's played most of his life. Yeah, but he so, knows that it will come to an end, yeah. and he's the type of guy that will be thankful that it happened rather than regretting that it ended. Even though I do like, you might it might give him a bit bigger job after this. Well, not my will. The boys went to Sociedad, so. It will. It will boost his profile, yeah, but he, and he, I hope he, he does well. Even though he's had the right sound bites, he's clearly not right for the job because he's just too excited. Well, what just, does that mean? But yeah, that's what you need. That's, that's what you need, though. Why do you have to be? Why do you have to be all no, 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 That's the thing. There's about. There's about. What's it called? Like Mourinho, just you were just negative in just the way he said everything. He was like, he's just. Yeah, he was just. It wasn't even arrogant. He just the way he said it. He thought he was egotistical, and nothing was his fault. He yeah, was just always that's that. But then you get like to? what's it called? He's respect, great, now, like, respect. With with Ole, and this is the same with kind of a bit like Moyes as well. It's just they feel it. They feel like oh, this is such a big opportunity. I'm just loving to be here. It's like if you know you're you're ready for the job, you come in and you just you fit. 
The difference between him, the difference between him and Moyes is Moyes was a kid in a candy shop. Ole has been there, so it's a candy shop. He his parents used to own. He's been in the round <laughs> shop. And just come yeah, back yeah. to it. Also, the other difference between him and Moyes is. Moyes came in and tried to make it his too quick, too soon. Fired all the backroom staff. He was like, I'm going to stamp my authority, my name. He tried to make it the Moyes show. Solskjaer understands this is the Man United show and I'm one of the cast here. Like, Moyes was trying to be director, producer and everything and it didn't work. Fell on his face. There is, there's, there's key differences between the two of them. Anyway, time will tell. I mean, Cardiff is just Cardiff. Next few games will tell. I think, what's mm. the biggest game for me? Is it Tottenham or... Tottenham's the next big one. The next Tottenham's big one. the next so big one. Yeah, Tottenham's the next big one. But the results for the next few games will be. I'm, I'm, I'm excited. Like most Man United fans, I'm excited, especially after five one. On to the fantasy football. Back at the number one spot, I just I gave it up for one week. Mister Pen thought, yeah, he's there. He's gonna take it. One week, you know, one week, and you're lucky. You got saved this week by Kane and. Ali, but you were flopping before that game. But anyway, highest for the week, money, 90 points. Who has got the lowest? Looks like Michael Shirley, 26 points. He's gone back to his old ways. Does he want to get kicked out of the league? Because he's, he's been consistent in like getting shit points. No, but for a couple of ten. weeks, he, got, he was getting big boy points. That's how he managed to drop all the way up to where he, get all the way up to where he is now. How's he dropping all the points? <laughs> he's managed to get all the way up to where he is, but then he's gone back again. You know, that's, it's, because it's, it's because of the thing that playing Captain Aguero. <laughs> he's, a, he's front line. Oh, uh, Wilson, I think most people are starting to ditch him now. He's still got him. Aguero hasn't He's been injured and then he hasn't properly started. Everyone's kind of got rid of him. And then, because, uh, yeah, he came on late. Yeah, <laughs> but, bro, like, two points as captain, that's a standard and two points like, you get for just being in the game, bro. <laughs> and then, humanness. People, like, I, I removed him. Removed him out because he was, he, he gets goals every, what, every two games. This guy hasn't even so, got, he hasn't even got points on the bench to say, like, he missed out. <laughs> but, yeah, catch me if you can, though. Still top. Close to halfway through the season, next week halfway, but we'll see. I'm hoping to start picking up the points now, which is where, this is where I usually come in, from January going, that's me, so. Are you waiting for that second World Cup? Yeah, 100%. <laughs> well, as it stands, January is but we'll see. Okay, so that's it for this week. Join us again next week for more of the same. I've been Flows. BNF. MK. Merry Christmas, everyone. Happy New Year.